Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm so glad you're with us. I'm Colby. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here, and um, we're passionate about starting a church in Kelowna for people who are tired, who are exhausted of religiosity, of moralism, and so I'm so glad that you're with us. Um, I think, you know, about this idea of, of how chaotic our lives can be in this, in this time right now in, in COVID and pandemic, um, I know what it looks like or what it feels like to actually have a moment where your life becomes a bit chaotic, I remember about two years ago in September, my wife and I, I was a youth pastor for the last 15 years. In the last eight years, um, seven years, I was actually in Salmon Arm as a youth pastor. And my wife and I figured, were feeling like there might be something different for us in this next season. And, and I always dreamed about planting a church in Kelowna, but you just don't just move to a community and just start a church up. You actually, there's all these like hoops you have to jump through and things you have to do. And I remember that my wife and I went to this assessment center in Calgary. And it was four days of intense interviews and like them prying through like every little area of your life. Like when was the last time you fought with your wife? Um, you know, how do you treat your kids? What do your neighbors think about you? Like all these little nuances about your life. At the end of it, they give you like a, essentially a pass or fail, right? And at the end of my time, you know, the four days of the assessment, I'll never forget when they said, just go and plant a church. Go start a church in Kelowna. And driving from Calgary back to Salmon Arm, my life felt so chaotic. It felt like my life was like flipped upside down. Driving through Banff in this beautiful moonlit night and just being like, God, what'd you do to our life? Right? Like, if, if you've ever been to Salmon Arm, it's this beautiful, incredible place to raise your kids. It's quiet. The schools are good. You know, it's like there's no crime. But how am I going to come back and tell my, my kids that they're going to have to say goodbye to their best friends? How am I going to tell my best friends that, that we feel like we've been called to Kelowna? You know, I think there's this, this, this sense we felt like, I felt like, that my life was entering this chaotic zone. We didn't know where our funding was going to come from. We didn't know if anyone was going to follow us. We didn't know if we were going to actually start a church. We didn't know if we could actually afford to buy a house. We didn't know all these little details, and it felt very chaotic. You know, I think when you look at our lives right now, in 2020, right? Like if something terrible is going to happen, this is the year for that to happen, because guess what? 2020 is just, I feel like, a write-off. Like it's like a chaotic year. But Christians, I think, understand that, that the normalcy of life isn't going to go back the way it was, that COVID actually has created a bit of a chaotic time in not just my life, but all of our lives. You know, if, if your business has been affected or your life or your livelihood or your kids' lives, like all these moments in our life have been like kind of uprooted. But Christians understand that as we've been talking about this, the, the implications of a Christian life the last two weeks, we're kind of talking about this again this week. But what is the implication of a Christian life? And I think the, reali- the realization that Christians understand that human authority is not something that gets in the way of freedom, but actually human authority properly used creates freedom. You think about the rules of, of our society, of our structure, 
Like, why do we have laws? Why do we have the, the structure that we have? Why do we have laws for, for driving? You know, there's a, this interesting autonomous zone in Seattle that was created called um, CHAZ or CHOP, whatever you want to call it, but, but it's really is, is about freedom from rules. You see, I think our laws and structures in our society help us to move from chaos into order. And Peter is talking about this in chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. And Peter, who was an eyewitness to Jesus, he was one of his disciples. You know, he, he wrote this letter to people who are being destroyed for their faith. And that's why we call the series Strength and Weakness, that something happened in the early church where people were persecuted. They were, they were destroyed, actually. Their whole lives were uprooted. They were, they're foreigners and strangers. And when Peter's writing this to like kind of people in modern-day Turkey in 64 AD, these people actually find their strength in this incredible thing, this person named Jesus. It was his resurrection that changes everything about their life. So if you have a Bible, if not, just look on the screen. And it's uh, chapter 2, verse 13. Here's what it says here. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do what is evil and praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. It's interesting, this, this passage, you look back to last week's passage, um, it's talking about this idea of, of, again, submitting. Submitting yourselves to the Lord's sake for every authority. And again, it comes back and it says here, submit to every human authority because of the Lord. What's trying to say here is that that authority can be a good thing. It can actually bring order to the chaos. I think for a lot of us, it's really hard to actually live without authority. Like, how do you function even for my kids? If, if there's no authority in our home, how do my kids function? It's chaotic. You think about musicians for a second. Imagine if, if, if you're musical, and I think about musicians and how amazing they are, but I am definitely not musical by no means. But musicians, what if they didn't submit to the same key or submit to any key? What if they didn't decide to, to submit to the composer or the arranger or the conductor or whatever the, the chords that they're supposed to arrange together? Think about every time you play a game, if you come to my house and we play Bonanza, which is a, a kind of a favorite game of ours or Settlers of Catan, and someone says, actually, you know that rule? You know, when you roll a seven and there's a thief? I'm not playing by that rule today. It'd be chaotic. You know, think about every time you stop at a stoplight. Imagine if people were like, I'm just not going to stop at a stoplight. Every time you get involved in music, you have to submit yourself to the chords, to the arrangement, to the key, or else it just sounds chaotic. Remember a couple years ago, I was sitting in a conference in Los Angeles, and they had this amazing orchestra, and they're trying to kind of explain and show through music this biblical narrative of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And what happened was that in the very beginning of, of this orchestra playing with this arrangement of this idea of creation, it was like this beautiful melody that slowly built. And then the fall kind of hit, and everyone was just like strumming their instruments in like these crazy ways, and it sounded like so jarring, like so chaotic. Like I think, well, that's what, what Peter here is trying to talk about, is that human institutions 
should help us bring chaos to the order. You think about chaos in sports, right? Like, if you've ever seen, like, a, a five-year-old play soccer, like, my kids, when they played soccer when they're five years old, like, there's nothing orderly about five-year-olds playing soccer, right? It's just like a group of kids just running back and forth, and it's chaotic. And I remember telling my daughter, I'm like, Evie, I'm like, if you want to, like, be the superstar of your soccer league right now at five years old, all you do is you just run out to the front of the pack and you kick the ball in whatever net. It doesn't matter. Because they don't even know like, where the boundaries are. They're like in another field. They're shooting on like different nets and other fields. Like it's just chaotic. You see, because they don't know the rules. But maybe you're someone, you're like, I don't like, I like leaderless groups because no one's an authority. But then the group's in authority, right? Like, if you're, if you're willing to let the group and the good of the group have authority over your need, of the needs of the individual, there will always be chaos because there's no rules to it. There's no structure to it. You can't function. The Bible says, without human authority, because God has created that authority, and if there is no authority, it becomes chaotic. You see, that's what Peter is talking about today is that as free servants, as free people, we call our church Live Free Church because we believe that you, beca- you can actually find yourself truly in Jesus. When your identity is found in him, not in your, your education or your work or your family, you actually get to you become the person that God's always created you to become. You become free people. Peter says here you become free servants. You know, there's this wonderful, this balance of, of understanding that as Christians, as free people, you understand there's authority always above the authority, and that's God. You see, I think the implications of a Christian life is that knowing that you and I, if your identity's found in Jesus, that we're servants. That we're not just passive. We're actually, we, we call human authority out. <laughs> because we actually understand that there's an authority above the authority. We don't just go along with the crowd. We don't just knuckle down under the authority. You think about in like dictatorships or in totalitarian regimes, Christians always look like the liberals because they don't care how loud a government is or how incredible it looks or they say this is the way it's always been done. We don't care how coercive or impressive it is. But we always know there's an authority that's above that authority. And so what happens is that Christians in a dictatorship or a totalitarian regime look always like they're liberal. Like they care for the individual's rights and goods. In a Western secular society, individualistic culture like today, we look terribly conservative because guess what? We know that there's some, some absolute things. When a, when a culture like that we live in, it says, well, we don't, you know, however you feel, that's what you can believe. That's how you can actually make up your, the rules and structures of your life. But what we're saying usually, as a Christian, we're saying, no, there are some absolute things about life, about racism, about how we value people, how we love people. In the Western secular society like today, Christians end up looking conservative because they value a collective voice of people. Like, we value people who've been persecuted. People who, indigenous people who've had so much wrong done to them over the course of 100 plus years. 
You see, our church, Live Free Church, we want to speak out against racism in this culture because we believe deeply that we need to speak up on behalf of other people. That we actually, our posture is that we want to learn and we want to listen and we want to lament in this time with, with our black brothers and sisters. See, Peter here is saying a lot of things about submitting to civil structures. And I think it can kind of get us into a unique spot where I think the implication of this passage here doesn't always necessarily mean what you and I think it means. But someone, a follower of Jesus, needs to bring chaos or bring order to chaos. That you and I need to bring order to this moment in, in a pandemic. You see, as Christians, how should we live in light of our culture and our, and our structures and our government in a, in a city like Kelowna, in a province like British Columbia, in a country like Canada? How should we live? And what Peter is saying here is, is be servants. Like, we don't have the same attitude as other people. That, that Jesus said he came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Therefore, those of us who have grasped that, we've been saved through the cross, and our lives become reorientated. They become changed. You see, you and I, are, if our lives are found in, in Jesus, nothing in our life is achieved, but it's received through Jesus. You see, you, your life isn't the sum total of your life. It's the sum total of Christ's life. You see, when we are being transformed, when our lives are being changed by that message, the gospel, that we are broken, sinful people, and that Jesus came to live and die and rise again so we can be free from sin, Satan, and death, it changes us first, but it changes those of us around us. Because how we love, how we serve, how we think. See, when you move into relationships all around you, it's not to be served, but to serve. To serve. See, Jesus says the normal way a person moves in to relationships is to think, what can I get out of it? Like when, you, when you walk into a room, when, when we move into Kelowna, we like, the question we're like, is this neighborhood good for us? Maybe the question we're asking is, is this neighborhood going to serve our family? Like, who are our neighbors? Are they going to be good people for us to be around, for our kids to be around? But you and I do the same thing. We walk into a room and we ask, is this place worth my time? Are these my kind of people? Do I want to be with these people? Can I get anything out of this? See, Jesus says, when you become a Christian, you have a different attitude. That you don't go into a relationship saying things like, I want to be served. You come in saying, I want to serve. I want to be useful. I want to bring order into the chaos of these people's lives around me. I want to love them like no one else has ever loved me because Christ loved me like no one else has loved me. You know, you, you think about what does it look like to be a servant and to bring that into our lives. To be a servant and bring that into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, to our families, to our extended family. Like, how do we be a servant? How do you have a servant heart? What does it look like? I think, I don't want to give us just a list of things we should do, but I want to talk about this idea of, if you, have you ever met someone who's a servant? Has a servant heart? You know, I think if you've met someone who truly loves you, not because what you bring into their life, but just because they love you, it changes you. 
remember the first time I met those people in grade 10 and I was like, man, there's something so radically different about these people that who, who they're Christians and they love me so radically different than anyone else has ever loved me. Like they're not just sizing me up thinking what can I bring into their relationship. They're actually just seeing me for who I am in my own life and saying, who is Colby? And how has God loved Colby? And how is God actually, how do we want to show God's love to Colby in this moment? You see, if you are a Christian and want to be a servant, here's how you make other people feel. There's kind of three things. A servant brings, brings order to chaos and how they honor people. You honor people. This is a loaded word. I remember the first time I heard it was talking about in a room full of pastors talking about like getting the honor. And I was like, what? Like, I don't think that's what it's talking about. This isn't about, about elevating people. It's actually just valuing people for who they are. They focus on you. They're not hijacking the conversation. They're actually listening before they speak. They're actually interested in what, why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. They honor you. I think about people that are around me that I don't want little mini Colbys around, even though my kids are actually literally mini-me's, right? But I think for people in our church, I don't want, I don't want people to be like myself or like my wife. I want them to, for you to be actually created who God's called you to be, which is so uniquely different than me or my wife. Like God has called you, and I think the way you honor people is seeing the potential in them and trying to actually bring that out. See, I think a lot of times in our culture, we have this like sarcastic, you know, like tone with people where we're just like, you will never accomplish things. Remember when I was planting a church in Cologne, talking about trying to plant or start a church in Cologne, and people were like, good luck, go and die there. Like, good luck and have the worst years of your life. Good luck and lose all your friends. Good luck and just, like, suffer and, and hate your life. And I'm like, wow, that's so not encouraging. I do not feel at all loved or honored in this moment. So you can tell a servant because there's someone who's unbelievably, unbelievably lavish with accomplishments. Someone who, who speaks truth in your life in such a, a life-giving way. A real servant is someone who's accurate with those comments. I think about that, like, for me, if someone says, okay, you did a great job in this, but I know it wasn't true, I'm like, ah, it just doesn't mean anything. But if someone came up and says, I like what you did, and I actually believe I did a somewhat decent of a job with that, right? It reinforces who you are. It's trying to bring the best out. When we preach every week in an empty space, in a warehouse, pretty much, um, I ask my guys, these guys are, People, whoever's in the room, I ask, you know, what did I do well? What did I need to work on? And what should I never say ever again? Because I feel like deep down, I want friends around me who are going to speak life into me. They're going to actually want me to get better at something. But you can know that you've been around someone who, who's honoring you by the way they, they build you up, by the way they affirm you. You're treated with, with hope. You know, they're, they're they're not trying to like rip you down so they can become better or, or bigger than you. They're actually building you up because they see potential and value in you. And that's what Peter is saying here is you honor people because you actually want to build them up. You want to see them flourish in ways that maybe they never believed they could flourish. 
Ways that they could actually be loved, which maybe they never felt like that love before. A servant brings order to chaos in how they love people. See, how do you love people? You feel loved regardless of your actions or feelings. You know, sometimes I think there's an element of of servants who are kind of like fake servants who are just like, I'm just being a servant. I'm just loving people because that's what God called me to do. He told me to do it. I'm just going to love you regardless of, of your faults and your imperfections. But a servant, someone who's actually loving their brothers and sisters in the faith, that's what Peter's saying here, is you actually have to say things which maybe you don't want to say. You have to call people out on certain things, not because you're like, you have this truth, but because you actually want to see them flourish in a whole new way. It's actually really helping them. You know, I think that a lot of times people, especially Canadians, right, we can be just so nice, we don't offend anyone. But I think a lot of times, especially in like the, in the church in Canada, that we don't want to offend anyone, they just want to be servants. But I feel like sometimes we're just like, we're so cowardly in how we love people. Because how do you love someone knowing things about them that maybe you should just say, hey, what about this? Or what about this issue? Like, why is it taking me into my, into my mid to late 30s to surface and work through some things in my life with a counselor? Right? Like, why is it taking so long? Couldn't Christians just ask those questions? That maybe they're just too afraid to ask them. See, I think this passage was talking about, you know, being someone who's marked by love, being changed by love. A real servant is someone who, who actually shares with people things which might actually put their relationship into, into conflict or into a little bit feels like chaos, but actually you're trying to actually structure around who God is, his love and his authority. The last thing, a servant brings order into chaos in how they view God. It says here in verse 17 that we'd be fearful of God or we'd fear God. You see, I think how you view God is different when you're a servant. It's different when you realize that you don't deserve grace, but you fully get it. That your faith isn't something you achieve, you receive. See, whenever the Bible says, I want you to live lives of selfless service, I want you to submit to authority, I want you to go the extra mile, I want you to turn their cheek, I want you to, to submit to those in authority, if it doesn't talk about Jesus and what he's, ever, what he's done for you, if it never mentions what he's done on the cross, that he actually became, came to be the servant, all it becomes is just moralism, a bunch of rules, legalism. It's just a crushing burden of rules and lists of other things to do. Okay, I gotta love my neighbor. I gotta love my coworker. I gotta love my boss. I gotta love, you know, like, if it's not talking about the fact that Jesus didn't come to serve, but to serve, it changes you and I and our affections and our desires. I think a lot of times when you, when you look at our lives, you go, well, you know, like, I think a lot of times in our lives we don't want to forgive someone or we don't want to show them mercy or grace. It's because, because you don't believe that, that there is a judge or that God will, will actually judge them, or, 
or maybe you've been abused and I don't think you should be in that relationship, you know, talk to someone, get out of that relationship. But you think about the fact that when, when Peter's talking about being a servant, you have to realize that you and I are not the judge. That, we're, that God is the one who's judging people. He is the final say. That when you look at someone's life, the sum total of their whole life, like I don't know the layers and the depths of people's best moments and their worst moments. But a Christian remembers that only God knows their stuff. He only knows their thoughts and their heart. You see, a Christian remembers that and remembers that Jesus Christ, that he did not, de- he did not decide to play back his accusers or abusers, but Jesus entrusted himself to God who judges justly, then surely you and I have to understand the depth of that grace when we're serving people around us. You can't just look and say, well, look at what they've done against me or look what I've done against them. How could I forgive them? You know, you have to look and say, Eventually, I do need to forgive them because God has forgiven me from so much of my sin and my brokenness. You see, the reality of Jesus as a suffering servant, someone to come who came and, and lived and died and rose again so we could actually be free. Free people as servants, just like our, our Messiah, our King. It changes the way we think about being a servant in Kelowna, in Rutland, in Glenmore, in Lake Country, in West Kelowna, in Lower Mission, in Upper Mission. It changes the way we view ourselves in light of the mission of God. At the end of this, I want to talk about, you know, the last three weeks we've been talking about the implications of a Christian life. And And I truly believe if you've been changed by Jesus, you bring order into chaos around you by being a servant. That really means honoring people. Like, let's be people in Kelowna who actually bring the best out of others. We don't just tear them down. See, when you don't know what to say to someone in Kelowna, build them up. By loving people. Like, let's be people who who love regardless of the implication for us. When you and I don't know what to do, let's just love people radically. Because God loves us. The last thing is, let's be people who fear God knowing that we will never talk about being a servant without talking about what Christ did for you and I first. That he loved us so radically, so truly, that we can love others, not to get more out of them, but because Christ loved us and wants nothing from us. Like, that's remarkable. See, when you and I forget when we go into a room, we seize it up and say, what can we get out of this space? Let's remember what Christ has done for us. That you and I are not the sum total of our lives, but the sum total of Jesus' life. Let's pray. God, thank you for, for who you are and how you created us and how you want to bring order into chaos and how you actually want to You want us to be people marked by you, changed by you, sinful, broken people. Like there's stuff in my life, God, that you know about that, you know, you know the same sin in my coworkers' lives, in my neighbors' lives. Like, but Lord, may we be changed by you forever. 
We're to be people that honor others, build them up, not tear them down. Would our lips not be full of gossip, but full of love? God, will we love people radically? Covering over some of their sins. Will we be a church that's, that's marked by the radical love you have for us? That you see our imperfection, you love us anyways. Father, I pray that we actually would fear you, that we'd actually hold you up in reverence. That you're an authority above every authority. That we actually are, our allegiance isn't to, to this earthly kingdom, but to you. And it makes us look like a servant because you came to serve, not to be served. Father, I pray that you'd interact with people right now. Holy Spirit, come and, and convict people of their own brokenness, how they view relationships, and how they live out the gospel every day. Father, I pray that we'd be people who deeply desire you every single day and are being transformed by you and changed by you, not by our own good deeds or works, but you're the one who's, who's changing us, making us more and more like you, a servant. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.